Welcome to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. I'm your host, Alice Stoltz. This week, we explore the increasing phenomenon of boomerang children or children who move back in with their parents due to financial reasons. We speak with Billy Christoffi, Director of Melbourne Finance and Property Investment Group, Revton, about the strategies available to help those impacted find their financial footing again. Later in the show, we check in with Ellen Lutton, our national news editor here at Domain, on why interstate buyers are snapping up Gold Coast homes despite never having inspected them. Moving back in with your parents gets a bad rap. But after sweeping job losses and financial insecurity triggered by the pandemic, surveys show it's fast becoming a necessity. One in four Australian adults are now living at home with their parents. It may seem like a worrying byproduct of the pandemic, but really it's an acceleration of a trend we've seen in recent years. So how can boomerang children find their financial freedom and place their first step on the property ladder? Today, we have Billy Christoffi, co-founding director of leading Melbourne property group Revton, here to talk with us. Billy, welcome. Thank you, Alice. Pleasure to be here. Tell us a bit about what boomerang children are and why we have seen such a rise in this trend. Yeah, sure. Look, boomerang is a generation that's been happening well before the pandemic hit, but I think we're definitely going to see an increase in the numbers now. It's when kids move out after they finish their high school or tertiary education, get into the workforce, and then something might happen in their lives financially they might become distressed they might go through a divorce a breakup whatever the occurrence is and they'll find themselves moving back home this is really to get themselves back on the feet before they're ready to move back out again so the term boomerang is really just the coming back of home after you've left and I think it's quite common and I think it's always a safe haven for them to go back there when they're feeling like things are feeling uncertain or scary out in the world Mm. so why have we seen such a rise of this of late do you think There's definitely an increase now with the pandemic and the occupations that have had the biggest hit would be the areas of entertainment, retail, hospitality and that's where you see your younger demographic usually working and and starting into the workforce. So I think when you look at the demographic that's probably had a bit of a bigger hit in that area, it would be the people that can just move back home. Mm. Billy, what would your advice be to these young adults who have had to return home to their parents for gaining back their financial freedom and independence? I think the most important message would be let's not see this as a negative, let's see it as an opportunity. See it as an opportunity to take that time to upskill yourself. See it as an opportunity to save money where you can and really just get yourself in a better position and get the financial freedom that you want. What I recommend to young people is Don't just sit around and wait till you've got the amount of money that you think sounds like too big amount to get into the market. Pair up with someone, pair up with a sibling, pair up with a friend, pair up with a parent and get yourself ready in a financial position faster, sooner, quicker, easier. So my advice is it doesn't need to be doom and gloom. It can be, let's see what we can do with the current situation. Let's make the most of it. Mm. And what about your advice to young renters wanting to avoid moving back in with their parents, but they're struggling to envisage home ownership? Obviously, that's the big thing for a lot of people, that psychological thing of there's some sort of um, stigma about regression moving back in and then I'll never be able to get my own property. How do you think one can sort of deal with that psychologically so you don't sort of feel too bruised by the process? Uh, I'm a massive advocate of rent vesting. I actually rent vest myself. So rent vesting is really where instead of 
putting that sort of financial burden on yourself where you might want to live in an area that might be a little bit out of your affordability, you can rent where you want to live and then invest your money in areas that are a lot more affordable, a lot more sustainable for you to not be feeling the stress and pressure of trying to maintain the expenses. Mm. There's quite, as I said, a stigma attached to kids living or children living at home. But do you think multi-generational living is going to become more common in the future? It's obviously, we've seen it being incredibly successful in Europe in particular, in countries like Italy and Spain. Do you think it's what's something that we will become quite familiar in Australia going forward? I think we might see the increase in that, but I think we are a country that kind of likes our independence. It really depends on the dynamic in the household and how you make it work. But overall, I think if we can get the help of family and make it work for periods of our times when we need it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it can be a really good and helpful thing as well. So it really depends on the person, the dynamic of the family and how well you can live together, I guess. Hmm. Now, we know that one of the biggest obstacles for particularly first-time buyers in getting a leg onto the property ladder is saving for that really highly sought after deposit. So I think for people who do have to go back home, what should they be doing so they don't miss out on home ownership if prices do start to rise? Do you sort of recommend thinking about shares or other financial options to try to keep that dream alive, I suppose? Well, if you're going to get into first home ownership using the first home owner's grant, there's a lot of grants now that the government is giving as incentives. So to get into your first property, if you want to live in it, the first homeowner's grant, there's also land tax you can be saving, builders' grants that they're giving. So there's there's a lot of things if you're going to the right developers in the right areas, you can get a lot of help in that way. But if you're trying to save up that initial deposit to buy something, there's also great apps and shares, portfolios that you can invest into, syndicates that you can get into the market to really help you increase your deposit. Mm. And I think you're spot on about that idea of really looking forensically at what all the grants that are available and perhaps living at home, you may have more time on your hands not having to maintain your own property. And I would really encourage people to comb through all the government websites that have been issued because it is different state by state to really have a deep understanding of what is available to you because you can, of course, layer those schemes and deposits up. And we've heard amazing case studies of people who can access, you know, four different ones or something. And it's an incredible situation to be offered that and something that no generation has had opportunity to access before. It's a massive financial relief to be able to get that and have those options available to you 100%. Billy, that's so interesting. Thank you so much for talking to us and good luck with the continuation of lockdown. And um, let's hope we can see each other in person soon. Sounds great. Thank you for that. Queensland has closed its borders off to New South Wales, the ACT and Victoria. But surprisingly, this hasn't stopped buyers from snapping up property on the Gold Coast. Real estate agents in the area are reporting a dramatic increase in the number of interstate buyers entering the market and purchasing a home despite never having seen it. Joining us today to explain the uptick is Domain's national news editor, Ellen Lutton, who is based in Brisbane. Ellen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Alice. Southeast Queensland and the Gold Coast have always been popular with interstate buyers, but what is driving this recent market activity in the COVID era? Yeah, sure, you're absolutely right. There was already great activity happening on the Gold Coast. I think last year, Queensland had the highest rate 
of net interstate migration of any state and territory. So the market was already feeling quite optimistic. And I think that optimism had stemmed from back in the 2018 Commonwealth Games. There was a lot happening on the Gold Coast and the property market really reflected that. And I think that optimism sort of made itself at home and settled in for the long haul. More recently, though, I think what COVID has brought into sharp focus is people's priorities. Coronavirus has meant reassessing their lifestyle and making some changes. I think it is literally as simple as people saying the weather is warmer, Queensland is safer, they haven't had up until recently any outbreaks of coronavirus and we want to be where the weather is warmer and where coronavirus isn't. And I think it's as simple as that. Surely, Ellen, it's also that people have realised they can do their job from a remote location. They can live wherever they want to live. I mean, in theory, this idea that we only went north in the winter, particularly if we're based in Sydney or Melbourne, well, we can now do those jobs very successfully for the most part. I suppose the people are saying, why not base yourself where you want to be? Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, that's what agents are telling us is that people aren't just buying holiday homes. They're, they're buying homes to move there permanently because they can work from home and live that lifestyle. What impact is it having on the market that those borders are currently closed from Victoria and New South Wales and the ACT? How are people getting their head around transacting when they can't physically inspect a property? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. You would think that that would have really slowed things down, but you know, what we're hearing is the opposite. It's almost like you want what you can't have. And, and the fact that the borders are closed has, uh, has seen the demand for property on the Gold Coast strengthen. And I suppose, you know, if you're someone in Melbourne, you know, you've been very familiar for a while with buying property remotely. There's excellent tools out there. People are buying properties after inspecting them via FaceTime. There's online auctions, there's online inspections. And, you know, agents have been doing a wonderful job of bringing all of these tech tools together to give buyers the next best experience, basically, aside from actually inspecting or buying a property in person. Let's talk a little bit now about house price growth in the Gold Coast. In July, Domain reported that house prices there lifted 1.5% despite a national drop of 2%. Now, Alan, has the Gold Coast always been a strong, robust market? Look, Alice, historically the Gold Coast has actually been quite a volatile market. You know, it was a market that saw booms and busts. But there has been a shift in more recent years, I'd say especially in the past five years, and a lot of that can be put down to the changes in demographic rather than investors coming and pouring in money into developments and then having to pull it back out again when the market dips. A lot of the buyers now are their owner-occupiers. A lot of them are an older age demographic or not even. There's a lot of young families moving up to the Gold Coast as well. They're putting down roots in the area. They're buying their homes. They're moving there. They're staying there. And what that has done is really stabilised the property market. So the Gold Coast doesn't tend to see those sharp rises in property prices that it used to, but conversely, it also now doesn't see those falls. It's not unlike Brisbane, actually. It's a steady market and it's a market that people, I think, look to invest in now 
thinking long term and knowing that their investment is likely to sort of grow at a slower and steadier rate rather than that sort of boom and bust cycle. On that note, I'm intrigued, Ellen, and I want to pull on that thread that you dangled before about people wanting what they can't have with border closures, which I think is so true. Do you think we will see stronger price growth ahead after this unprecedented interest in the Gold Coast market? Oh, look, to be honest, I'd say it's all (laughs) dependent on how this virus plays out over the next sort of year or two and what happens with, um, you know, our international borders as well. But look, certainly in the short term, there's a lot of people who can't holiday overseas. They can't go where they'd like to go. And so people are looking ahead going, all right, well, I can't go on my European vacation. I, I, I can't go to the U.S., but I want my own holiday place where I'm going to feel safe and where I can get that summer warm weather experience, let's look at the Gold Coast. Let's look at southeast Queensland and let's make a safe investment while we're at it. Ellen, do you know what sort of property is being purchased from your conversations with agents? Look, they're telling me there's a range of property being purchased. Um, There's houses, there's apartments, Only the other week, there was a Melbourne family who spent almost $4 million on a penthouse in Broadbeach, and that was sight unseen. They'd only done an inspection over FaceTime. People, uh, depending on their situation, yeah, beachfront houses or they're buying houses sort of back in off the canal, just depending on their family size or their lifestyle. And is there the sentiment that these are principal residences or is this people thinking, I'll go up once or twice a year and put it on Airbnb? Yeah, well, it's mixed, but a lot of what I'm hearing is that people in Sydney and Melbourne are buying with in mind to sort of holiday in a little bit at first and then afterwards moving up. So their longer-term plan is to move up. They might spend the next sort of few years enjoying family holidays there, and then the longer-term plan is to make that permanent move. What about local Queenslanders? Are there any trends that suggest they're becoming more interested in the Gold Coast? Oh, look, there's always interest locally on the Gold Coast. Certainly a, a significant percentage of the buyers are from locally, either from the Gold Coast itself or from Brisbane, always massive fans of property on the Gold Coast. There's probably a lot more of that permanent moving happening between those two cities. But I think what agents are sort of more surprised at than anything is the level of interest and commitment to Gold Coast property from those cities down south, Sydney and Melbourne. I think that's what surprised them given that the border is closed. You know, I think people were worried or they predicted that the Gold Coast might suffer given the interstate border closures, you know, that they wouldn't have the tourists and also they wouldn't have Chinese buyers who have traditionally also been really active in the Gold Coast market. They're locked out of the country. So I think there was quite a bit of worry that the Gold Coast would suffer. But look, the results, I think, have bucked all those expectations. The demand has remained and also the shortage of stock, I think, that's likely to continue to drive prices higher. Mm. It does certainly leave a lot of curiosity around what is ahead when those borders do open, which is hopefully sooner than later, for how that's going to change that Queensland market. Yeah, look, we might see a further surge in interest if people can actually get up there yeah, the demand may strengthen or, you know, that could 
peter off I suppose mm. as you know <laughs> if they're if they're not locked out anymore it may not be as interesting I would imagine though that there will at least be a continued interest in this corner of the state southeast Queensland and even northern New South Wales is sort of that extension from the you know the Gold Coast southern Gold Coast Coolangatta right down to Kingscliff and through to Byron Bay that whole region has seen such strong interest from the southern states, you know, particularly Sydney and Melbourne buyers. They really see southeast Queensland, I think, as, as sort of that, <laughs> it's a bit cliche, but that sort of beacon of hope in this COVID era. Okay, I can't go for my European holiday. Let's look at the next best alternative. And here it is. Yeah. It's certainly very appealing for this Melbourne at the moment. On a grey, drizzly day, it sounds like it could well be the most perfect place to be. (laughs) Ellen, thank you for your time today. It was great talking with you. Thanks so much for having me, Alice. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for joining us. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you want answered, let us know. You can send us an email at propertyunpacked@domain.com.au. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and look out for further episodes dropping every Thursday. Property Unpacked is hosted by me, Alice Stoltz. This episode was produced by Adrian Lowe, Kate Burke and Danielle Giannopoulos. It was edited and mixed by Dan McHugh. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au.